how are mid-tier ETLs achieving an average return on their investment of 246% from email marketing automation? Well, my guest on today's show is here to tell us exactly how. From data of thousands of their e-commerce email marketing automation customers. Do stay tuned. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2 x their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. On today's show, I have with me Max Katzelaris. He's an email marketing automation expert and the director of marketing at Remarkety, the email marketing automation platform recommended by John McIntyre on episode 38. Max has been involved in copywriting and email marketing for close to a decade. Just before his role at Remarkety, he worked at a company called Mojo Motors, where he managed an email marketing automation campaigns that sent out over 100,000 emails each week. He's here to share his first-hand expertise from thousands of Remarketee's customers, which are all e-commerce, by the way, on ways you can improve customer retention in your store with intelligent transactional automated email campaigns. So, hi, Max. Um, could you take a minute or two to tell us about yourself? Sure. Uh, absolutely. Really happy to be here, Kunle. Uh, my name is Max Katsarellis. I am the marketing director at Remarketee, and I've been involved with email marketing and e-commerce for a handful of years now. Before Remarketing, I worked at a company called Mojo Motors, and that was founded by a former eBay executive. So at Mojo, I managed all of the email alerts, and we let car shoppers know when dealers dropped prices. So we were sending nearly 100,000 emails a week, and that's kind of when I got my start kind of looking at email and seeing how effective it is at driving sort of those high-value actions that any company wants their customers or users to take. About a year ago, I joined a company called Remarketing, and we are helping small and mid-sized e-commerce shops grow their sales and improve customer retention with intelligent and automated email campaigns. Now, these can win back inactive customers, recover abandoned carts, make product recommendations, etc. And uh, we see that these kinds of campaigns are uh, really effective at, at driving these engagements that we, we want customers to take, like uh, opening emails, uh, placing orders. And uh, that's why we see open rates around 60%. And sales, uh, growing sales up to 30%, which is, I'm sure, something we'll talk about later on in the show. It's fantastic because um, you're recommended by John McIntyre. I think it was episode 38. He came on the show and was talking about, um, he gave us some really deep marketing automation um Templates and um, he he was he recommended and um, remarketed as a platform. Quite interesting, also about Mojo Motors. So, how did it work? Your your previous um, company. So so um, I was a shopper looking for cars, and then it just sends me an update across. Could you could you shed a bit more light there and how email actually fundamentally grew that business? Uh, for sure. So. Uh, what we would do is we would get uh, dealers would be interested in listing their cars on our website. So mm-hmm. we would list all of the, the used cars that a dealership had. And what a car shopper could do was follow the cars that they liked. And what we ended up finding out with our algor- algorithm was that there are certain makes and models that every customer perhaps likes. So we know that Kunle, you're looking for a, a Honda Accord. Mm-hmm. So what we will do is we see that you like black Honda Accords. We'll mm-hmm. send you alerts. 
when the black Honda Accord that you're looking at drops in price or, or is sold, or similar black Honda Accords are dropped in price or just added to our website. And uh, it was kind of like a, a nice way of keeping people up to date. Dealers drop prices a handful of times on a car, on average, um, up to $1,000 over the course of its time on the lot. Yeah. So it really helped car shoppers sort of get a better understanding of not only the market, but it kind of helped them avoid that uh, that nasty business of, of negotiations and trying to come up with a with a deal. And car shoppers kind of were empowered to go to a dealership and say, hey, uh, I want to buy this car uh, that we just saw dropped in price on Mojo. And uh, it, it sort of improved that car buying process and made it a little bit easier for the, the layman who wasn't necessarily buying cars all the time to exactly. get a good deal. Exactly, exactly. I could see its application. And uh, now you're in remarketing. And basically, email automation. Did you apply email automation in um, in Mojo, or was it pretty much manual? Absolutely. So uh, all of these price drop alerts, all of these alerts that went out when uh, dealers sold cars, mm-hmm. and that created that sort of fear of missing out, that psychological feeling like, oh, I missed out on a great deal. Mm-hmm. Now I want to be more likely to buy. All of this was automated because mm-hmm. it's one of those things where when you have millions of cars on a website and millions of people following cars, it, it can't be done manually unless you have a, a whole team of people and it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, all of those emails were automated and um, uh, we were constantly testing subject lines and email templates. So, mm-hmm. uh, and we could get answers very quickly with automating these kinds of emails and, and the way that they look and, and how mm-hmm. they uh, perform. So Yep, they were all automated. Okay, so so that was a SaaS business, right? Kind of a SaaS. It was a marketplace SaaS business. And a lot of these marketplaces and um, SaaS businesses tend to have automation integrated into their systems because it's it's a lifeblood, basically. It's, it's, it's a communication, you know, um, module. E-commerce, however, for, I'd say, a decade before 2007, 2008, is pretty much shopping cart focused. Um, could you explain how and why email automation has had widespread adoption in e-commerce recently and why it, it was kind of slow as compared to, to other tech verticals? I think that uh, there's a lot of different sorts of answers, I think, to this question. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, I'll do the best I can to answer it. And, and mm-hmm. I think what it is is it, it sorts of, sort of comes down to the bottom line. So uh, we know that email makes a lot of money for e-commerce shops. So VentureBeat published a report a few months back, and they found that a small business has a 183% return on investment with email. Mm-hmm. And a mid-sized business, now they report a 246% return on investment. And I think it's like just any marketing. When, when marketers find a channel that works, they want to scale it up. So sending that individual email to a customer, designing a one-off newsletter, that kind of thing is really time-consuming. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I think, one reason why people went to automated emails. So mm-hmm. uh, I talk about uh, Mojo Motors. When, when a car drops in price and there's thousands of cars dropping in price, that can't be manually sent out to every customer. And with really big e-commerce shops, an abandoned card email can't be sent out to every customer manually. Uh, it, it just takes too long. So automating emails to customers that follow up after an order or welcome a new user or a new customer, uh, it means that marketers and, and shop owners can then focus on new channels to grow their business. And uh, I think that means that they can spend more money acquiring customers. And email is generally uh, pretty cheap. Social and, and SEM Typically not so much. So automated emails can sort of increase the customer lifetime value. 
So when stores are paying a lot of money to acquire these customers, email sort of does the heavy lifting in the back to really get these customers placing repeat purchases. And uh, what really led the way here was was the big guys. Uh, I don't need to say who they are. I think everybody knows who the big guys are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the ones that sort of led the way here with, with these very personalized emails, these product recommendations. And I think all customers are now, they expect it. They expect smart product recommendations. They expect sort of a, a nice email letting them know that they, they're a, a loyal customer or perhaps a VIP. And mm-hmm. email's also really, uh, all things considered, pretty easy to track. So uh, I mentioned that study on ROI because tracking traditional media, TV, radio, print, even social, it's a lot more difficult. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of steps that take place there. Uh, with email, you, you can close that loop. So you know what customers are opening uh, on emails, you know what customers are clicking on emails, and then you know when they place an order because that order is tied to an email address. So you can add a whole nother level of tracking here with unique and personalized coupon codes so you know the exact campaign or the exact email that led to an order. So uh, I think that tracking uh, in automated campaigns is also pretty critical to sort of the growth in, in this sort of sector. There's a lot of data to, to get to, to, to grips with from... Uh, no doubt. Yeah, from 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 signups, just normal signups to converting them to customers and what to, and their kind of like customer their order history, and you could even chip things in um, from the browsing behavior and you know um, give something more targeted. But uh, yeah, that's several steps ahead. Okay, so from um, a trend standpoint in e-commerce, um, what are you seeing in in Remarkety, um from um, from an adoption standpoint um, from from email automation? Well, I think that there's there's three things, and uh, one thing that we've started to see sort of just really pop up this year is actually pop ups. Merchants want pop ups on their website. They want to be able to capture these email addresses, mm-hmm. and I think that you uh, you're familiar with it. I mm-hmm. think that your website has some pop ups, and you want to get your, these email addresses so that you can uh, continually bring these customers back. And uh, we see pop ups on e-commerce sites are usually offering a, a coupon or an incentive in exchange for that email address. So I would say that's that's number one. Okay. Number two mm-hmm. is uh, we're seeing a lot of kind of almost personalized looking email addresses from the founders or the CEOs or mm. the mar- marketing managers at at these shops. They look plain. They look very personal. They typically kind of share a story. They usually kind of tell that person about their brand. They ask for feedback or they say, "Hey, why don't you recommend uh, who? Why don't you recommend us to a friend?" Mm. And uh, I, I, I see that not only just in the e-commerce space, but I think that uh, I see that a lot in the in the tech startup space as well. And, and I think that it's a it's a great uh, strategy to to get feedback, a great strategy to make your brand more personable to to a shopper. Okay, okay, okay. We're going to track back to the pop ups um, from data. If, if you have access to any data, what are your thoughts on on pop ups? Do they work or do they not work? Some CROs. Um, conversion rate optimizers hate them, and um, you know our marketing guys. Most of the marketing guys I've spoken to love them. Um, from from your customer data, um, do do they work? Do they acquire emails? I think it depends on the incentive, okay. and this is something that we'll talk about again, uh, probably continually throughout the show. But okay. uh, it really depends on the incentive. Is it something that that moves a customer enough to to leave that email address mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of folks don't like having these pop-ups because it kind of ruins that experience. It ruins that flow of somebody shopping and browsing, looking at pictures and clicking. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, a lot of if you look at how many people are coming to a website on a given day, just those those unique visitors, 
and you compare that to the amount of emails that you might be grabbing or the amount of orders, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, there's a huge difference there. So if you're able to take some of that a chunk of people who aren't placing orders but are coming and visiting a website and you capture that email address, I think that they are effective. And, and, and the actual numbers, I think, vary. So I, I can't necessarily – it really depends sort of on the, on the vertical of an e-commerce business. Exactly. And, exactly. But, but I think that I think they are effective. I think that – I think a lot of people want to see it sort of – evolve into something else. Now, what it evolves into, I'm not entirely sure. But I think a lot of people aren't fans, but they do work. They work, they work. Okay. Right. And execution, you know, is is everything really when you think about it. Okay. Um, With regards to personalized emails, um, I did a, I wrote, I did, I carried out a case study on um, one of the best, actually the best wine um, company in, well, online wine brand in, in the country. They've, they've just been acquired by another company just due to their brilliance, um, Naked Wines. I think that they started out in America. They're, they're doing okay in America. They're a wine club, basically. And you, when you sign up to them, there's a guy called Eamon and um, he's kind of he. It's very conversational with, with, with what he does, um, with all the messages he sends through. And um, they're not, they're a handful, at least in the UK, a handful of companies that execute email marketing like that, where it's really personal from that first name. And the tone of voice also is personal. Like he's, he's like your mate you see in the pub. And um, yeah, it, it, it is quite interesting. Um, could you shed a bit more on personalized emails um, and what brands you think are um, executing it um, well um, from, from an e-commerce standpoint? Any of your customers doing this? So we have a we have a few of our customers who are kind of doing the the personal outreach where mm. um, we did a case study just recently on a raw dog food company out of Hawaii okay. and um, it's uh, the fact that they're based in Hawaii already makes them a uh, sometimes of our hurdle on on price but the the founder of this company sends out very personal emails to his customers asking for feedback after an order has been placed making sure that the product is improving the, their dog's health and and quality of life and. Uh, I think that seems genuine. That's a genuine personalized email um, sent from a founder to a customer. And I think that that's where I think the, the, the genuine bit in authenticity is, is important here. Mm. If you get an email from, uh, from Nordstrom uh, and it seems like it's personal from maybe the president or something, it might not be as genuine as something if it was, came from a, a small shop that you know you're supporting and, and mm. you see a picture of – of the founder in an email, you see a picture of him on the website. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's sort of the difference here. Is is it's important to kind of keep in mind how do you design your website that would indicate that you're a small shop that cares mm-hmm. about customers. Mm-hmm. And even big shops, even big shops can kind of create this this persona of that we're big and we 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 are located in a lot of different places and we do business all across the world, but mm-hmm. we still care about sort of that that, that personal experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's sometimes tough to pull off. So. There's a carpet company in the United States, and all of their commercials feature their founder talking about their products. And the brand has their the website has the founder uh, kind of plastered all over the website, and mm. it, it seems more genuine. It seems real. It's like you can tell this guy's the heart and soul of the company. Mm. Uh, at some bigger companies, I go back to that Nordstrom example. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who the heart and soul of Nordstrom is, or some of these bigger companies. But uh, I think that it's about that sort of authenticity, and, and it's the full it's the full package. If you're 
if your emails seem personal and they're coming from the founder and your website kind of gives you an idea of who these people are and who's running this company, it's, it's, a, it's a total deal. They need to work hand in hand. And I'm quite sure that there's, that, that there's just more trust and conversions. It, it would positively impact on conversions. And um, execution from a small business standpoint, um, would, it's easier than a Nordstrom, as you alluded to earlier. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I guess at scale, you could perhaps um, say, well, I noticed you bought shoes and, you know, and um, in, in our store and these, this is the manager of our shoe store, but still it'd be very tough to execute and it would get really complicated. So, so actually small businesses have an opportunity really. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. So um, what size companies um, are your customers? You, you said small, small and medium sized businesses. Is there a, what's your definition of small and medium sized business? Because you shed a bit more light on um, the kind of companies and size of companies that um, do email automation on remarketing, please. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, just going back just to, to the sort of trends bit, there was one last trend that we uh, uh, oh, didn't hit. Good. So the third trend that that we're seeing here is stores around this time of the year uh, are being much more proactive about creating and activating email campaigns. And uh, we ran a study last year, and what we found was that from September until January, e-commerce shops are sending about eighty percent more email than any other time of the year. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 sort of because of these holidays that that are just make up this entire next four months uh, mm-hmm. until new the new year and. Uh, I think August is sort of that slow time. People are on holiday, they're on vacation, and September is when people are getting ready. They're getting back to work. They're getting ready to try to make the most of of this time, this season. Mm. And yeah, this is most profitable, depending on the kind of vast majority of um, businesses, most profitable quarter we're, we're about to get into. I have a real quick question with regards to double opt-in or no opt-in? Or sing, single opt-in? That's a great preference? question. It, it, I think the double opt-in is just a wise move. I think that it's you know you're going to have a cleaner email list. You know that customers are going to be engaging more with your email, and it should inevitably lead to more orders. Mm. I think that there are certain people, certain marketers, who want to be able to brag about quantity. So I remember a few years ago, it was all about how many Facebook likes you have, mm. and that doesn't mean anything if people aren't responding to your posts and interacting with your brand. So. Uh, the single opt-in might lead to lower quality lists, bigger lists for sure, but lower quality lists and the engagement, those opens, those clicks, those purchases might not be as great as the double opt-in. So I think the double opt-in is always the way to go. You keep a cleaner list. You don't end up triggering a spam filter and end up in a folder where your customers will never see your emails. You don't get in trouble with the ESP that you're using. And double opt-in is, is certainly uh, the best bet. Okay. All right. Good. Listeners, you've heard it. Double opt-in. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So you support six platforms, Magento, Shopify. I think I saw PrestaShop, Wo- WooCommerce, which is um, WordPress, um, Virtumat, and OpenMart, um, which is the most popular. Where are you seeing most growth? Well, I think they're all pretty active in their own ways. I think okay. that uh, WooCommerce has just a huge, huge amount of, of shops, and same with Shopify. And and the the ranges of, of the sizes of these stores really span the gamut. So our sort of uh, ideal customer and the size of companies that we would typically work with are small to medium sized e commerce businesses with revenue up to a few million a year. Mm-hmm. So the product's designed for 
merchants with little or no technical skills to, to simply turn on one of our automated campaigns and, and start kind of growing their sales. But power users can really kind of dig deeper and, and create really fine-tuned and, and complex custom campaigns. Mm-hmm. And, and we see that uh, a lot of Magento stores and a lot of Shopify stores, Presta Shop stores, really get in there and get super sophisticated. But uh, Shopify is certainly makes up a, a large chunk of our customers. We're active with all platforms, though. We have great relationships with with folks from everybody. And, and I would say Shopify, Presta Shop, and Magento are sort of like a, a great create a nice core group of our of our mm-hmm. customers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to give it to Shopify. Um, in the last month alone, they've announced strategic partnerships with um, Facebook, being the official buy button, Pinterest, and I believe mm-hmm. um, also Twitter. I mean, they're, they're really aggressive. I know they're public now. It's just amazing that the growth and um, the dynamism from, from that company is, is, is fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Okay. Let's talk about, um, integration with platforms. Um, is it intensive, like, like a platform like Magento or Presta Shop? How, 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 how intensive it's in? What kind of variables would you require? from a Magento store to um, get a full customer journey picture? So it's a little different for each platform, okay. but in most cases it's, it's really simple because uh, you got to remember a lot of these folks that are, are using these pl- using Remarkety might not be the most the most technically sophisticated sometimes. And, and I know that with a lot of other sorts of apps or extensions, it can be quite difficult to integrate and, and get using right away. So mm-hmm. we've actually spent a lot of time trying to make it as simple as possible. So, uh, with with Shopify, it's it's literally one click with Shopify. Mm. With with Magento, I would say it's two or three clicks. So it, it, we're we're a plug and play extension on Magento. So uh, somebody interested in trying Remarkety, they would get a free thirty day trial. Uh, they'd go to our Magento extent, extension page, click the install now button, and literally when they click that button, we're going to start syncing their store data, their, their products, their customers, the order history. Mm-hmm. And this is going to help us sort of build out that customer picture into segmentations. We're going to help that store owner understand or that marketer understand where their opportunities are. There are there are a lot of inactive customers. Are there a lot of people who have who have signed up for a newsletter but never placed an order? So, depending on the size of the store, the sync can take thirty seconds. Uh, sometimes it can take a few uh, a few minutes if if it's a big store. But it's Really, I mean, it's 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 pretty simple, and uh, we're really proud of the fact that uh, it's it's very easy for for anybody to get remarketed. Good stuff on integration. So it's I I suppose it's very customer centric. So at the core, um, you guys are dealing with people in your databases. Is that the case, or is it email focused? Or I know email would be unique identifier, but um, with an order history, I guess to be very customer centric. It is. I would say it's it's extremely customer centric, and and what we find is that typically when when one of our customers, and now our customers are a the shop owner or that marketer, and when they get into our our platform, they kind of have an idea of what they want to run. So they're thinking first about the email campaigns that they want to run, and then they sort of see that that picture. Is this does this make a lot of sense for me? Do I want to be running this abandoned cart, or do I want to be running this inactive customer email? Or do I want to be sending product recommendations? And I, and I think that they sort of, as they start kind of playing around with the platform, starting to create campaigns, then they start thinking, well, hey, I think it'd be really cool to do an order follow-up a year after somebody's last order because um, like we, we, we talked with a uh, – we're working with a company out of the UK and they do, um, they do uh, party supplies for kids' birthdays. Okay. And so he was telling me that he's looking to send out follow-up emails uh, about a year after 
uh, a customer's last order. And it, and it makes a whole lot of sense because Absolutely. a birthday is one day a week. Um, <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, yeah, one day out of the year, rather. Yeah. So uh, initially he wanted to send abandoned carts. And then we're thinking, it's like, hey, I think there might be a, an interesting opportunity here to kind of create a uh, sort of like a, a win-back campaign yeah. that gets sent out every couple of days until that birthday. Um, so it, better still, wish them happy birthday and then give them a, a coupon, you know, um, when they want to purchase, I guess, w- when one year has elapsed. So, so if, you know, if I've ordered from them last year, like, hey, can they, um, I know your birthday is coming this, um, is it's coming again. Here's a coupon, um, you know, come shop in our store, something like that, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about campaign setups. Now, now that you you gave that example, um, what shopping behavior metrics um actually trigger messaging, or should trigger messaging? So, what kind of actions do shoppers typically take that um, would warrant a marketer to set up a trigger to send them an email? Typically, it is. It is. It can be almost endless, and I think that I'll just kind of rattle off a couple of the popular behaviors mm-hmm. and. That would be when a customer abandons their cart on a website. It would be when a customer or rather a shopper registers on a website, but they never place an order. It could be a change in order status from paid to shipped. It could be follow-ups with customers after a certain period of activity or maybe when a customer reaches a milestone, like they spend a certain amount of money or they place a certain amount of orders. Uh, those are the most popular. So uh, those kinds of things can trigger some really high-value campaigns. Mm-hmm. And um, what about the, the time investments required to set in up the, the triggered messages or the automation? Because I, I see a lot of objections um, from, from actual customers who said, oh, can it takes a long time? I, I don't think we're, we're going to ever get to it. Let's just push it to next quarter. So from your perspective, how, how quickly do, do customers actually get on board themselves um, quite actively on, on a platform like Remarkety or you know, any other um, email automation um, platform? So I think that I also – we also see a lot of objections and I think that what I like to say is you know, you're spending a lot of time creating your newsletters anyways. You're spending a lot of time sort of creating sales for newsletters. So mm-hmm. you're spending time there already. So it, it's sort of maybe transitioning and shifting that time from, from these newsletters to creating a couple of automated campaigns. And in terms of the time investment, we see it literally – it can be minutes. We have a handful of, of pre-built templates mm-hmm. and, and pre-built segmentations that – are literally ready to rock and roll when a store starts using us. So we have customers that will that will go in there and merchants that will get in there and 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 spruce up the design. Uh, they'll customize the segmentations a bit more. And uh, but like anything that evolves, like serious thought, a little bit of creativity, it, it takes a little bit longer. You want to really think about the sorts of emails you're sending your customers and. I like spending a lot of time on subject lines. I'm not the kind of person that can uh, just come up with a subject line and say, this is good. I really like to sort of think about what is the message that I'm sending my customers because mm-hmm. the subject line is the first thing they're going to see. So I think it depends using it depends on anybody who's using our platform. If they really want to just take the pre-built templates and the segmentations, which already will perform at, at a high level, mm-hmm. uh, or if somebody wants to go in there and, and customize a bit more. So it could be uh, minutes, but it could be a little bit longer. Okay, you mentioned earlier that um, some small businesses are uh, um, seeing it well from from a venture beat article: one hundred eighty three percent ROI, and uh, medium sized businesses two hundred forty six percent ROI. Um, some of your clients are hitting these targets for sure. What do they do to 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 get there to 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 get this kind of result? I think that it, it's it's 
thinking very consciously mm-hmm. about the sorts of campaigns that they want to send their customers. And, and I just kind of touched on it. It's, it's thinking about what, what is the messaging going to be? What, how many follow-ups am I going to send? Mm-hmm. And, and um, what, what am I going to do to make my customer feel like they should, they should place an order right now? So it's a little psychology. It's a little creativity. Um, and it's also consistency. So a coupon's always great. And then following up consistently, if that first email doesn't drive an order, then a follow-up email should be sent. If that email doesn't drive an order, I would say another follow-up email should be sent. So it's just being consistent and continually following up and then, and then giving, giving that customer reason to, to, to place an order. Would you recommend they, they hire a consultant or an agency to, to set up these campaigns um, for them initially to get them you know, off the ground? And, and then they could perhaps bring it back in-house? Well, we, we have a pretty amazing customer support team and, and we go out of our way to help customers sort of create these initial campaigns. We have a lot of really great articles on our website about the sort of right cadence, the right campaigns to create. And our platform is designed for a non-technical, non-marketing expert to create really great and, and high-performing campaigns. So no agencies or consultants are necessary. However, I mean, we see a lot of a lot of agencies using our platform, and uh, they'll install Remarketing on their clients' websites. They know that email is really important. It's an effective way to deliver fantastic ROI, and then it also kind of shows off their own value. It shows that, hey, I, I, I might have redesigned your website, but at the same time, I can take this to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I was grabbing lunch the other day with uh, – with an email marketing manager at it, at uh, the company's called e-commerce partners. And, uh, they're, they're a, a pretty close company, uh, that we work with quite a bit. And, uh, they're out of New York. Uh, and the email marketing manager, he was telling me that he loves us because, uh, how much customizing they can actually do. So, uh, he likes to get in there and really, really adjust the design and the segmentation and the opportunities for him to sort of, to create email campaigns are, are pretty much endless. So, the answer to your question is, is both. You know, you know it, 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 a consultant or agency isn't required, but if a shop is already using a consultancy or an agency, I think that they would be uh, they'll be very pleased with what Remarketing can do. Okay, okay. What about um, text? Well, for e-commerce, what 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 were your suggestions? Um, text or HTML? Well, I think that it could be it could be either or. So okay. I think that with with like that personalized email, that mm-hmm. personal email that looks like it's coming from a founder or CEO, mm-hmm. there, there's certainly a little HTML to make it look like it's very plain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that that would be a text email, and then uh, your HTML your HTML email would probably more more like sort of those automated uh, follow ups, those automated product recommendations, mm-hmm. and that's when you can design you can design a little nicer, so you can make a huge image. Uh, that kind of stands out, make it one big link, and it's very clear to a customer what they need to do with an email like that. Uh, whereas with the plain text email, uh, that's a little text heavier, mm-hmm. uh, it involves a little bit of reading. And I think that we know people don't like reading, they like clicking and mm-hmm. looking at pictures. That, that's, that's what they like to do. So it, it, I would say text is great for when you want feedback from a customer, when you want somebody to respond. And HTML is great when you want somebody to click to your website because all the high value actions that your business relies on is done on your website. So get them to see that email quickly, click, and then they're, they're shopping on your website. Sounds good. Sounds good. A bit of both. Okay. Right. Okay. For, for, um, some, some, of our, some of our listeners are, you know, run e-commerce businesses. They have quite, um, they're running thin. The marketing team is running thin. Um, so they, they're, they're quite time strapped. What key automation sequences, um, would you suggest they get on board ASAP just to demonstrate ROI so they pour more resources into automation? 
That's that's a great question. And I, I would say, as we know, every business is, is a lot different. So mm-hmm. what works for one store might not always work for another store. But at a basic level, I think that there are four campaigns that make a heck of a lot of sense that will increase returns, improve customer lifetime value uh, for, for any kind of business. And I would say, number one, abandoned cart emails. And this is sort of where this follow-up that I was talking about earlier comes in. There mm-hmm. should be an abandoned cart email after one hour, another one after 24 hours, and I would say another one after 48 hours. And those, those numbers can be switched slightly, but it's, it's about these follow-ups. It's, it's about consistently following up with these customers and changing the subject line in, in the 24-hour follow-up, changing the subject line in the 48-hour follow-up. Um, maybe they missed the first one. So you want to try to change the angle slightly. And uh, adding a coupon in these emails it will definitely be great. Can I ask a question with regards to that, with regards to the subject line? Um, would you suggest – well, subject lines that tease, um, so a few words like – I don't know, you missed this, dot, dot, dot. So how, how creative are you from, from all the data you're going through, you're, you're, you know, you're coming across there. What kind of um, approach from a strategic copywriting standpoint do the best performing um, e-tailers use for abandoned cart headlines? It's, it really sort of spans across the map. We have a, sort of a standard email uh, subject line where it's like, uh, you left something behind, dot, dot, dot. Or uh, we sometimes see people who will say, we're, we're holding this item for you, but it's low in stock. Okay. Or uh, we have, you left something in your cart, uh, and now here's a gift. And that gift obviously is referencing a coupon. So uh, I think that ultimately the, the customer will see an email from your shop and know and, and remember kind of what they did. They know they left something in their cart for the okay. most part. Okay. And uh, what that subject line is, it could be a little, uh, it could be a little coy, but mm-hmm. I'd say that being being authentic and, and letting them know that you have something for them mm-hmm. and you're holding on to something for them is is always a good is a good way to go. And uh, I, I do I personally love the the, uh, the your this item is low in stock, get it now before it's too late. I, mm-hmm. That's that Ur- creates, urgency. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I particularly am a big fan of that. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, so so we have the abandoned cart, and then what's what's next? I would say the next one is new user registrations. Now, uh, that's the email for folks without a purchase, and obviously we want them to purchase. So uh, that email should be sent every few days after sign-up. Uh, there was a study run by Yesware, and uh, they uh, are a really cool tool for tracking email opens. Okay. And uh, this is important for somebody like me who's sending a lot of personal emails. Mm. Uh, for shops using remarketing, they'll be able to know how many opens they're getting and whatnot. But yes, we're found out that the sale is often made at the fifth to twelfth email. So uh, there needs to be quite a bit of follow-ups here. So, so wide gap, fifth to twelve. Yeah, it's it, yeah, exactly. So uh, with that new new user registration email, I think that uh, you want to offer an incentive, and you might see that a lot of customers are actually placing an order at that first or second email, but. If you, if you keep in mind that you need to be sending 5 to 12 emails before that first purchase is made or that first sort of action that you want them to take, mm-hmm. uh, I would say a new, re- new user registration email sent every couple of days. And then usually that will sort of line up with a newsletter. So if you're sending a newsletter every week or so, uh, that usually can start doing the sort of lifting from there. So I would say after the new user registration email, a handful of those would be uh, let's 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 say that that new user new user registration email dro- drove a purchase. The, the next thing that you're going to want to do is create order follow up campaigns, and there, there's quite a few different kinds of these. Now, 
uh, an order follow-up campaign can be sent when the status of an order changes. So we talked about that. Mm-hmm. It goes from shipped to delivered or mm-hmm. from paid to shipped. So now that can go and send a reward to customers for placing an order, asking for a review or, or feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, now, asking customers for feedback is a great way to, to learn more from their customers. But we also see that it's surprisingly effective at, at generating orders. So uh, earlier in, when we were chatting, we, we talked about uh, that, that raw dog food company out of Hawaii. And he sends these order follow-up emails that, that are really simple. It thanks them on the recent order and asks for feedback. Uh, we see that this email with leveraging product recommendations at the bottom, it has an 11% purchase rate. So it, it's quite amazing that somebody who gets a, they get this email roughly two weeks after an order, they, they get this email and they think, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to buy something again. Uh, so uh, that's, it's quite impressive. And uh, so, so those are a couple of examples of order follow-ups mm-hmm. that I think are great. And uh, the, the last email campaign uh, that, that's, that's really effective is uh, winning back inactive customers. Now, this email uh, will target customers that haven't placed an order during a range of time. So it could be 60 to 90 days or 90 to 120 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, each store is different. So what that, what that range is, what that ideal range is, is, is a bit different. But, uh, and it also depends on the products that, that we're selling here. So uh, someone buys a new TV, it's probably going to be hard to upsell them 60 days later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but a year later... Uh, especially with TVs where, where TV prices are, are on really beautiful LED TVs will change in price quite drastically over the course of a year. Um, a year later, uh, it, it might be a great idea to send uh, a follow-up campaign. And it's really it, it, this campaign will, will take money sort of waiting on the table, and it's going to improve that retention. And uh, sort of all of these campaigns should be leveraging product recommendations. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk about how the product recommendations in a feedback campaign uh, drive that 11% purchase rate. And uh, it's because, well, like what we already talked about, it's people don't read, but they look at pictures and nice images will drive clicks and will drive orders. I, I just love that, that hack, the product recommendations and feedback um, emails. That's awesome. Um, I shall be taking note of that in the in the in the show notes um, for sure. Um, yeah, screenshots if, if possible if you have any um, to, <laughs> to share. Sure. Okay, right. Um, what if you you wanted you know to to blast all cylinders? Um, just just go for it. Um, how how your best client setup and remarketing? That's that's I like this question. So. There, we have customers that are sending the, the four, the, I guess it was three or four email campaigns that, above that we kind of talked about, and, and they see great results. But mm-hmm. we have customers, they are literally taking it quite a few steps further. And we have a fashion company, uh, and they're running a, a very serious reward campaign program. And mm-hmm. uh, when their customers spend over $100, let's say, uh, that customer will get a 10% coupon. Uh, when a customer spends $200, uh, they'll get a 15% coupon. And these campaigns are are probably the the highest performing campaigns we we see uh, within Remarketing, hmm. um, and these reward campaigns see purchase rates over fifty percent. So uh, it's it's kind of good. It's good to keep in mind sort of how many what's the percentage of customers that will fall into certain categories and. Yeah, those reward campaigns are really, really impressive. Well, Max, that, that's awesome. Um, this is segmentation based on order value and just trying to segment who your hero customers are. And then obviously it's very strategic driven also, and um, they're, they're pretty much rewarding 
the, do they have a, like a special rewards program or is everything sort of automated within Remarketing for, for this, to, for them to execute this strategy? Remarketing gives them the tools to see uh, the percentage of customers that fall into a particular uh, like rule or mm-hmm. conditions. So mm-hmm. if, uh, if, if I'm running this fashion company, what I would do is I would go into Remarketing and I would start playing with segmentations. I would like to see every customer that has spent in total over time $500 with mm-hmm. my shop. And then uh, I will see how many customers qualify and basically determine, is it is it 2% of my customers? Is it 5%? And then knowing that number will sort of help me figure, how much do I value them? How much of a coupon do I want to give them? At the same time, you could do the quantity of orders. So if I want to see customers who, is, who have placed 10 orders with me, mm-hmm. uh, I can see that number as well. So Remarketing gives them the tools to be able to sort of see which which kind of, of rewards they want to give out, uh, how many people qualify. And uh, yeah, so we have a pre-built rewards campaign that will make this very easy for, for stores to, to sort of figure out and, and, and really start hopefully seeing that, that purchase rate over 50% too. Okay, okay. It's pretty, pretty brilliant. Nifty, yeah. Okay, um, so how would you convert non-customers so um we 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 talked about this um you know email capture exit intent which you love how do i convert these people to customers eventually so again we talked about this uh, a bit it's it's really that incentive and i know a lot of brands uh they they don't like doing the coupons they don't like doing the discounts and uh, maybe you remember uh jc penny so uh it was i think it was a few years ago their their ceo uh, decided that they were going to they were going to switch direction for the brand. They no discounts, no mm-hmm. sales, no coupons, and uh, th- their sales uh, they tanked, and the CEO lost his job. And th- th- but th- that's because coupons work really well. And we, we ran a study last year, and we found that conversion on an email with coupon is close to ten percent. And okay, uh, conversion on an email without a coupon is closer to about two percent. Ouch. Okay. All right. That's a hit. Yeah, yeah. So the coupon is the thing that's going to really kind of take these non-purchasers, the the person who's never placed an order, to placing an order. And but there are other options. I would say um, free express shipping, free returns. Uh, I love it when the return label is already in the package. Mm-hmm. ASOS, ASOS, huge company. Absolutely. They do this. Are they very it's, active in the U.S. Oh yes, they they are mm-hmm. and. And I think that the the reason for this is because they have that return label in the package. So mm. I could buy a whole slew of sizes, a whole slew of products, and what I don't like, what doesn't fit right, I send it back, and I don't have to worry about it. My wife and, used to do that a lot with with them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. And and I think that uh, sort of another another place that stores can look if they're if they're sort of struggling to convert prospects into customers is is the metrics. So mm. are are prospects not opening emails? Then then maybe something's wrong with the subject line. It could be because they're running single opt-in lists, not double opt-in. So the list isn't clean. Is, is if, if prospects are opening the emails but they're not clicking, then perhaps the call to action isn't clear or it's not compelling enough. And then I would say the, the last sort of bit is if people are opening emails, if, if these prospects are then clicking on the emails but they're not ordering, then 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 start sort of testing the website. It, how does it look? How does the te- how does the website work on mobile? How does it work on on an Android phone versus an iPhone? Is the product detail page optimized for conversions or, or is there a bug? So uh, there's a ton of moving pieces here. and uh, But ultimately, it's, it's following up with customers and, and trying to create that, that experience. And sometimes it's about warming customers up. So mm-hmm. 
the, the coupons help. The the news about new arrivals help. But it's always it's always important to keep it keep it simple and mm-hmm. and to not to do too many things with an email. So uh, that's why it's important to to make it clear what the call to action is and what you want customers to do. Okay, okay. Just be clear. Now talking about metrics, you you just <laughs> point something out which I, I totally was not going to ask. Where are majority of emails being picked up, especially transactional? driven emails um at the moment from from what you guys are seeing from your marketing mobiles desktop tablets mostly mobile i would say right. that it's uh, mobile is is we're seeing over 60 percent uh now okay. which is which is crazy mm-hmm. because i think it was just a couple of years ago that it was it would just made the turn from from 50 percent so uh majority is mobile um i think that we see most people uh, depending on the country, a lot of people will place an order on mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in some countries, customers are less likely to make big purchases on mobile or tablet. So in the U.S., a lot of big, expensive purchases are typically made on the desktop. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it sort of changes by by country. So mm-hmm. um, it's something to keep in mind that basically you want your emails to look good uh, no matter what on any device. And if somebody's going to uh, bookmark that email for later mm-hmm. to place an order when they're at home on in front of their computer – you want that email to, to be consistent no matter what the device is and uh, that would be responsive design and which is which is critical exactly because you you know uh, yeah you made a really really good point with regards to checking out your website if open rates are good and clicks are great so you know um, there might be something hindering stopping um, conversions okay speaking of metrics um from um, from, from from the data you guys are seeing um, what kind of open rates um, work? from mass email newsletters just blast as compared to automated, really targeted automated. How, how, how do automated emails actually fare um, against from a metric standpoint, from an open rate metric standpoint um, as compared to, to email blast um, like newsletters? So with uh, we can do opens and clicks here. Uh, mm. It's Open and the, clicks, exactly. Yeah, I would say that the, the, the typical e-commerce newsletter mm-hmm. – Will get a sixteen percent open rate and a two or three percent click rate, while we see some of these sort of targeted and automated emails uh, have an open rate closer to sixty percent and uh, an open rate or uh, and a click rate rather over thirty percent. So it's substantially uh, better than a newsletter, and it's. Because they're personalized, it's because they're relevant to the customer. It's, these emails are based on the way a customer shops, it, which is fundamentally different than a newsletter, which is just sent out with its focused more on the brand and a sale. Whereas mm-hmm. these these personalized coupons are focused more on that customer, how they've shopped, and and who they are. It's all about context. Yeah. Okay. Um, what should we talk about KPIs um, and how they should be measured? But but I think we, we've gone through KPIs really from an open rate and um, a click um, standpoint. Are there any other open um, any other KPIs we should be looking at from a metric standpoint? I would say something that we like to call a purchase rate, mm. and this is something that's it would be it's the equivalent of a conversion. Um, and it's a, a, one of the nice things about email; uh, it's about closing that loop. Mm. So. Opens and clicks will tell you if the messaging and the design of your emails are working. Mm-hmm. And uh, the purchase rate will tell you if the emails are driving new orders. And um, this is critical because every store wants to drive orders and they want to be able to make money. So uh, I would say purchase rate is, is sort of that third KPI. And uh, that's one of those things that are 
uh, unique to Remarkety because our platform is designed exclusively for e-commerce. Mm-hmm. But it, it sometimes can be a little tougher when when people are using sort of the the newsletter services and the newsletter tools. It's it's much harder to find the, the purchase rate. In, in other platforms. So it's one of those things that uh, we like to talk about a lot and like to show off to our customers. Awesome. So I could see a purchase rate for every single email. That's right. Every single awesome. campaign right. and every single email that could send to a customer. Awesome. Okay. Fantastic. And it's direct measurement. Okay. Could you expand on more like more or less um, how customers fine tune their, their accounts um, or, or these metrics? Um, what, what do they if, if if the figures are so if if open rate is is down, um, how do you sort of fine tune it to 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 improve it for a particular campaign? Well, there's a couple of different things. Okay. Um, the the customer can if they notice it, they mm-hmm. can start running A B tests and uh, potentially create a new subject line or a new email design and compare it. The other thing that we sort of do is. We have thousands of shops using our platform, and uh, so we can kind of compare uh, a store in a particular vertical to a store similar in the vertical. Now, this is all done on our back end. That data is not shared with anybody. Um, But if we see a a drop in open rate, we might suggest um, a store would add personalization in a subject line, for example, or maybe how soon the email is sent based on stores similar. The other sort of uh, recommendation that we might uh, suggest is – if we see an opportunity for uh, more purchases, more orders to, to make more money, uh, we would look at a particular store and say, hey, you know, there's stores like yours are running this kind of email campaign. Uh, if you run this, you might be able to see a, an uptick of X amount of money in sales this month. Okay. So uh, we both do uh, a fine tuning of a campaign, uh, whether it's subject lines or design or product recommendations, or we can even do sort of the, hey, you should probably create these other email campaigns as well That uh, because otherwise you're leaving, you're leaving money on the table. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. That, that pretty much rounds up um, the, the metrics bit. Um, the holidays are coming. Um, it's this quarter, basically, um, October, November, December. Some e-commerce stores, this is when they – well, most e-commerce stores is when they make the most money. What are the biggest dates this quarter and how should – e-tailers prepare from a marketing automation standpoint to, to maximize their customer lifetime value? Well, the, I'll answer your last question first. Okay. And, and uh, I think that it's important for stores to keep in mind when sometimes these automated emails might be sending. So mm-hmm. we talk about how automated emails are great driving sales and, and, and making customers feel like they're a part of a brand. But it's important that they perhaps aren't sending emails at, uh, on certain days. So uh, keep in mind who your customers are. And uh, there's a lot of dates here that perhaps you might want to be hesitant about emailing your customers. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that uh, Halloween in the States is October 31st. Mm-hmm. And you can email customers that day. That's, a, that's sort of like a fun holiday. People are out there. They eat a lot of candy. And that, that's, that's the holiday here. And then uh, there's Thanksgiving. Uh, that's another holiday in the state. That's Thursday, November 26th. Now, this is also a day where it's supposed to be family time, but I think that we all know sort of what Thanksgiving leads into. And that's that's Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which uh, is more like Cyber Week. And uh, so I think those are all fair game. Uh, and I think that – but uh, you want to be careful around sort of like uh, mid – early to, to late December. Now, that's there's Hanukkah that starts Sunday, mm-hmm. December 6th. 
and, and that runs through Monday, December 14th. So it's important to keep in mind uh, if you have Jewish customers, sort of when are you sending these emails that you, you don't want to offend your customers. So mm. um, And you don't want to send them too many emails in, in a time that's a very, uh, very special to them. And then mm. you have Christmas Day on Friday, December 25th. And uh, this is also a day to keep in mind where maybe not the best time to send uh, an email to customers, probably not the best time to send a newsletter. It's, it's, these are times that people um, aren't probably sitting in front of their phones and shopping. So uh, Dece- uh, December 26th, however, uh, that's when everybody goes back to the stores to return and they're, they're going to the post office to, to send things back. So that might be a better opportunity. So those are the sorts of things you'd probably want to keep in mind. Mm. It's it's a big um the twenty sixth is a big shopping day in the UK um it's called Boxing Day here, that's and right it's it's kind of like your your Black Friday but um we've been Americanized so last year was our best Black Friday, uh, <laughs> despite us not celebrating um Thanksgiving, <laughs> the stores just manipulated the press and um, they got footfall to the stores which is quite interesting, okay that's. That's brilliant, actually. I need to keep that in mind because uh, I mean, there's there's a, quite a few UK shops that I that I like uh, that I like using. So, uh, well, thanks. <laughs> Cheers. Um, so, what tips do you have um, in regards to creating an emotional connection? Because you, you you mentioned something earlier, which is quite quite interesting. You know, being sensitive to to your customers, especially when um, they're, they're, they're pacing quiet, enjoying with their family, you know, um, a, um, a particular day or a period over the holiday. So from a, an emotional standpoint, connection, psychological standpoint, how, how can we sort of use that to our advantage to, to improve our messaging over the holiday? What tips do you have? So in the past life, I was a, I was a copywriter. So I think it's, it's a combination of that, of a good story and mm-hmm. consistency with, with the brand voice. And emails can be a big part of creating this connection and, and pulling it together. And, but it, it, it's that total package. It's, it's the website, the emails, the, the packaging of the products that your customers get. This, this all needs to work together. Uh, you know, I think something that's really nice and really underrated is the handwritten thank you note. So mm-hmm. you, you can't do this for everyone. Um, it's it's difficult to do, but it's 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 got to be the, the total package to work together. And I, I know that some customers might not care about that handwritten thank you note. They might not care about the branding and, and the look and feel that that goes from email to website to uh, transactional emails, but. I think for other people, they want to feel like they're a part of something. They want to know who's running this company. They want to know who who they're buying from. They want to know that they're helping uh, somebody like them. They're helping uh, somebody, a normal person who's running a shop and 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 doing it their way. So, but it, yeah, it's that, it's that total package. So emails are, are one part of 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 that package. Okay, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Right, um, which is bigger in, in the U.S., Cyber Monday or, or Black Friday? <laughs> Oh, oh, you know, <laughs> these days have uh, blown up so much in the has, past handful of years that uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, m- maybe because you're in the UK, you see less of this, maybe, mm-hmm. but probably not so much. Uh, the deals and, and the discounting, uh, they, I would say they, they've started here in the States already. Uh, we're we're already seeing we're we're seeing it happen. They're they're gearing people up for Christmas. They're gearing people up for December and 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 the gift giving. So uh, it's it started and uh, but 
it, like that, that Black Friday is the kickoff, and then Cyber Monday, it, which is now Cyber Week, it, is just uh, it, it's its own entity. So Cyber Week seems like probably it might be bigger, and uh, but it's safe to say pretty much that November, December, um, it would be hard not to find a great deal or a sale. And if you're not saving money on a purchase, then then you did something very very wrong. I have a question with regards to, to both days. Um, from a retailer's standpoint, um, are these acquisition days for new customers or are these more retention, customer lifetime value activities? Where, where do they you know, um, make more gains from, from that standpoint? This is just, a, you know, I'm just curious to, to find out what your perspective is. There's no right or wrong answer here, really. Just anecdotally. It's that's actually a, a really fascinating question. I don't have any numbers, mm-hmm. but just sort of thinking about it, um, it's much it's much it's much easier to get a customer to place an order a second time mm-hmm. than to get a customer to place an order the first time. And it would seem to me that Cyber Monday or Black Friday uh, these days are so ripe for getting a customer to come back multiple times and uh, to place that second or third order. I think that. Uh, also, you you buy a gift for somebody, and then you realize, oh, I forgot to buy a gift for, for Aunt Sue or, or Uncle Jim. So you, you're going again, and you're shopping from maybe sometimes the same store. So you're placing an order from the same store three or four times in the course of, of 30 days. Mm. So I think I think it's probably a better opportunity to uh, increase that customer lifetime value. However, because the incentives and the deals are so good – uh, I think a lot of stores find that they are able to to get a lot of new purchases from people who've never bought from them before. Mm-hmm. But sometimes those customers have sort of this this benchmark in their head that the store discounts products at this particular number. Mm-hmm. So if they don't see that that discount in the future, it might be harder for them to to get them to come back. Mm-hmm. Very 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 good point there. Um, I'm on the same page with you with regards to to that the, there seems to be a lot more CLV you know cost my lifetime value um, value there um, yeah from those um, campaigns or those days okay um, final set of questions um, are there any tools books or resources that you recommend to store owners looking to to learn more about email marketing automation you, you're an expert from your previous career to it's actually been you know right there in in in, in an e-commerce um in, in an email marketing company in in a remarketing so are there any email ma- marketing automation resources you read um any books that you know sort of tip the balance for you or, or tools well i think that this podcast you, you've talked about email marketing uh, a couple of times before so i would yeah. say uh, i think that 2x e-commerce is a is a great resource Thank and you. Absolutely. I think that another great resource is, is a website called Practical E-Commerce. Now, they have great white papers. They have great studies. Um, they have a lot of guest blog posts from from people like me or um, other sort of marketers at different sort of companies that provide services to, to e-commerce businesses. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a website, Marketing Profs. Now, Marketing Profs sort, sort of doesn't necessarily go into e-commerce um, all the time. It's not e-commerce exclusive, but I think that it's good to sort of uh, look outside of e-commerce for ideas or opportunities. Mm-hmm. And e-consultancy is another uh, another great website. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and general marketing resources for, for growing businesses, uh, growthhackers.com. Mm-hmm. This is a, a, a wonderful resource where uh, they do really, really good interviews with with CEOs and founders of, of, of companies that have grown astronomically quickly. And um, I think that there's uh, – 
to run a shop, to, to, to be a marketer, there's always that little bit of creativity that, that uh, and making connections. So making connection from something completely different than your own store, but finding an opportunity to do something with it. And I think uh, marketing, marketing profs, practical e-commerce, e-consultancy, growthhackers.com, uh, 2X e-commerce, th- these sorts of resources kind of uh, do those things. Thank you for, for having us on the list. Okay. Yeah. Um, so before you, you say goodbyes, um, what advice do you, do you have? What final advice, especially with this quarter, this this final holidays, what advice would you give to e-tailers listening that most likely mid-tier e-tailers thinking aggressively to grow about growth and um, very, very positively to, to actually grow this next quarter and the year? What single piece of partner advice would you give them to, to actually grow and nurture their business? So, they, man, a, a single a single piece of advice is extremely difficult, and uh, I think that one thing that we haven't talked about that might be surprisingly effective at, at moving the needle here, uh, really making the most of the holidays, is is something called preheader text. Now, mm-hmm. this is the first line of text in an email after the subject line. Now, most email tools automatically populate space after the subject line with the yeah. first line of text inside the email. Yahoo does it, Gmail does it, uh, on mobile and on desktop and on tablet. So this is sort of like it doubles as your second subject line uh, that can draw a customer in. So think about that pre-header text. I think that if you look through your email uh, inbox, you might see a lot of it says like um, you might see text that says to open uh, – to view this email better, open in a new browser or don't no longer wish to receive this email, unsubscribe. I mean that's, that's a waste of an opportunity. Absolutely. So how do you go about it? Do you just change the first line in the email subject, in the email body, or um, are there any special fields you could use on, on um, email marketing software for the, pre, for the pre-headed text? So yes, you, what we typically do in, in our templates is we leave a line of space where a customer can just type and, and, and write in something. Um, another, uh, if that sort of thing sometimes doesn't uh, might affect the, the look of an email for a customer, Make sure that the image – so let's say you have a header image, usually a logo. Mm -hmm. Make sure there's no alt tags or there's no uh, secondary name for that image so uh, the email tools don't pull that as the name. Um, And then what you could do is you have a title under the image. So typically it's that logo. So you have a title under the logo. Um, Or what you could do is you could actually hide the text at the top. So you have text but you make the the color of the text white. Um, So – it's not visible, but it's it's it, but it is visible when somebody is is scrolling through emails on their inbox and they can see it there. Gotcha, gotcha, fantastic. Okay, pre text, pre header text. Okay, all right, good stuff, good stuff. Finally, where, where do you hang out? How do how can our listeners get in touch? Follow you um, going forward. Yeah. Well, great. Well, my my email is max at remarkety.com and, and that's a, a great resource. Uh, anybody can email me, ask me questions, uh, learn more about Remarkety, would love to chat. There okay. are other email addresses, sales at Remarkety. Mm-hmm. And you can find us on Twitter. We're at, at Remarkety. We're on Facebook and um, we have a couple of uh, nice, helpful YouTube videos as well where we kind of talk about how to create certain campaigns and, and how to take email campaigns to the next level. Um, and then we also have a, a, our, our website, remarkety.com, of course. Okay. And our blog has some other really good resources around uh, improving email campaigns this holiday season, uh, what those subject lines should be, the design, cadence, things like that. Fantastic. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Max. Thank you for sharing your insights on email marketing, automation, transactional emails and remarketing. 
Well, well, thanks, Kunle. I've, I've had a great time chatting with you, and uh, uh, I really hope that we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X E-Commerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com. Yeah.